the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Lord.
These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder the wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, he knows nothing? Isaiah 29. Now the question on the table. What will it take for Jesus to hear our prayers and answer them? We find in Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 22, have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Well, there the text is before us, and also the one I shared with you in John, the 14th chapter yesterday. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, what about these? Is God lying to us? Please, let's 
let's get very real today about what is it that's really going on in our church today and in you and in me. I was up praying this morning, crying out to the Lord. Isaiah 30, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. Why go down to Egypt without consulting me? Who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt for shade, for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. I began to pray and say, Lord, will you show me what's really going on? I certainly cannot say that this Mark 11 passage is simply not true. If, if it's not true, then Jesus is a liar and he's not God. Obviously, he is God. You may say he's not God, but the scriptures say, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God. The scriptures are abundantly clear on that. Now, if you disagree, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the word of God. Let's draw that as a solid line. Jesus is God. And the question is, how are we going to relate to him? And he's given us promises, and those promises seem to not work. So why don't they work? We're a a people who like things that work. We're very mechanical and abstract in our thinking. If our, if our tire goes flat like mine did yesterday, I, I went to the mechanic and I had him pull the tire off. I had him repair it and put it back on. Mechanical. We know mechanics. And we're abstract in our thinking so that it's not personal. It's, it's something else. But what about Jesus? And how does he answer prayer? And I read again all of Isaiah 30 in my prayer time. It says these are rebellious people, deceitful children, unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message and replied, relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant, it will break in pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. Now, 
I read this and I say, wait a minute, I'm not like that. What have I done? So I ask the Lord that question. I know what I've done. You may not know what you've done. I'll tell you what I've done. I have owned my own life. And I've tried to add Jesus to my life. And it did not work. I tried doing everything I was supposed to do, reading the scriptures, going to church, going to seminary, preaching, doing the best I could to live a wonderful life. It didn't work. It didn't work. I've thought a lot about my life and the church. And I've come to some conclusions that I want to share with you. They will not be comfortable conclusions either for me or for you. I began to understand by what the Lord was doing in my life, without asking me, by the way. He began to isolate me. He began to take actions that cut me off from people and things and places. He began to isolate me in the prayer closet. Until today, I am only allowed basically this outlet on the radio. The rest of my time is spent in Scripture and prayer, talking to a few people about the gospel of Jesus, but I'm basically isolated. And then I had to begin asking, why is this happening? Well, I've made some mistakes and some serious blunders in my life. But haven't we all? So what is happening that that my mistakes, my blunders, my sins have caused me to be utterly cut off and isolated? I struggled with that for several years. But then there came a day when I knew, a day when I died, a day when I utterly died. when I died to Ray Greenlee. I died to my opinions, to my preferences, to my tastes, to my will. I died to this world. I died to the approval of any person or the censure of any person. I even died to the approval or blame of other brothers or friends. I knew I had to move out of my life. 
It is time for every Christian in America to move out of their life. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, right now, most Christians in America are much like I was. I could go do things that were pleasing to me simply because I could. I could go to whatever entertainment I chose to go to. I could go to Netflix. I could go to a movie. I could go on the internet and look at whatever video I wanted to look at. All the time, I'm a Christian. I could do whatever I wanted to do with money, with time, with business, as long as I took care of my work. That is the American Christian. We have our life. And then we try to add to our life this wonderful person, Jesus. And so most sermons in America today are focused around strategies for successful living. Most sermons do not deal with sin or repentance or confession. Most sermons do not deal with being crucified with Christ. Most pastors receive a salary and they live their life, whether that includes smoking pipes or cigars or, or having a drink of alcohol or whether that means they can go with the guys and have a great laugh and tell dirty jokes, whether they can be one of the guys. And the answer is for most, yes, I can go be with the guys. We're, we're a bunch of good guys. We can get together and gamble nickels and play cards We call that fellowship. We have a life. <clears throat> and if Sunday's going to interfere with most Christians' lives, if something happens and they have to get their car repaired or they have to have a repairman into the house, no problem. They don't need to be there Sunday. They'll skip. If, if they want to go on vacation... Great. Do I have the money? Can I borrow the money? I'm on my way. I'm out of here. I need a break. What I'm saying is basically American Christians own their own lives. Now they will say, my life belongs to Jesus, but they don't mean that. They mean, my life is mine. I have my life and I'm adding to my life the wonderful gift of confessing that Jesus is my Lord. And Jesus is my best buddy. He's my best friend. So you see the, the signs on cars, the bumper stickers that say, Jesus is my best buddy. Or 
I'm like everybody else. I'm a sinner like everybody, except I'm forgiven. Or whatever bumper sticker seems to be popular for that day. But all of it centers around the fact that we own our own life and we set our own schedule. We do what we think we need to do to take care of business on this earth. And then we add Jesus to that already full life saying, well, we're also prepared for eternity. So I talk with Christians and I say, are you still walking in any known rebellion or sin against Jesus? Well, yeah, there are some there are things I'm working on. I'm doing all right. I'm covered. Jesus loves me. He knows I'm not perfect. He knows I can't be perfect. He doesn't expect me to live without sinning day by day. That's the normal American Christian. And so some of you are saying, you know, Pastor, what are you saying? Why are you upset with me? Am I upset? Yes, I am very upset. Jesus told the Jewish people that judgment was going to come upon their nation. And in AD 70, Titus came with his army and murdered more than a million Jewish people in Jerusalem. And then for the next 500 years, Jews were not allowed to live in Jerusalem. In fact, many were not even allowed to enter the city. Do you think God has changed? Do you believe that God cannot bring a Babylon a Russia or a China against America and destroy this nation and bomb us out and murder countless numbers of people? Do you do you not understand that God can judge America? He can judge you and your family? My primary business today The first concern of my heart is how can I serve Jesus? But not by doing things. How can I serve Jesus by by ministering to him in love and, and just walking in obedience to him? And then secondly, okay, what would Jesus have me do for him? There has to be a moving out of my life before I can even begin to serve Jesus. There has to be a a leaving behind the world's life that we as Americans have come to think of as normal life. This normal life is being desperately disrupted by COVID-19, which isn't even really a pandemic. Oh, it is a virus. But the deaths in America have been far less with this pandemic, so-called, than by the annual flu. 
So we've been deceived. And God has used this to vomit us out of our church buildings. Do you imagine that God is going to forever allow America to continue walking in arrogance and sin before him without bringing judgment? If he does that, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I've heard pastors say, whatever a Christian couple does in the secrecy of their bedroom is just fine. It's okay. Whatever you want to do, do it. Well, that's not what God said. He destroyed Sodom for sodomy, in part. You think he won't judge a couple for sodomy today? Come on. I look at the American Christian church and I look at how I've lived my life and it breaks my heart. This morning in the prayer closet, I was weeping before the Lord and saying, Lord, why did it take me so long to move out of my life? Why was I so hard-hearted, so rebellious, so ignorant, I can't I can't talk to you about this and not also honestly confess my own struggle with modernity with with modern America You want to move out of your life move out of your television move out of your modes of entertainment whatever they may be if that's Internet, if that's cell phone, whatever you're, move out of it. Leave it. Move out of your worldly places of recreation. Do things that are natural. Canoeing, kayaking, sailing. Do things that are interacting with Nature, not mechanics, not smoke-filled, not... Do you hear what I'm saying? Move out of working for a lifestyle. Move out of working to make money. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... See your place of work as a place of ministry, a place where you confess the name of Jesus, a place where you call men and women out of darkness into light. You can't do that if you're dwelling in the darkness. You can't do that if your life is a life of worldliness. The kingdom of God is not just a place of ideas and theologies. It's very personal with Jesus. Now, it's very clear. To me, it's very clear. If you want God to listen to you, 
You're going to have to listen to him first. You're going to have to stand in the scriptures on the promises of God, and they're going to have to focus on building the kingdom of God. They're going to have to focus on bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. You can no longer walk through the world like it's your bowl of cherries because the fact is the world is a bowl of pits, of darkness, of evil, of corrupt, corrupt nature. And if we want God to answer our prayers, we're going to have to come to terms with our sin. And we're going to have to be crucified with him. A man crucified with Christ has left his own life. He has departed from his world and has entered into the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've seen heaven as an add-on to our life here. We're going to have to see that here is heaven. And I dwell there now. And now because I'm not in the physical spirit realm of heaven, I'm going to have to deal with the world of the devil and the darkness. There is some beauty in this world, and I'm going to enjoy that as a part of heaven. But even in nature, it is survival of the fittest. You're not going to go pet that bear you're not going to play with the hornet. We live in a place where we can be hurt, where we can be killed. We have to recognize that this is a war zone. People die here. Accidents happen here. Sickness comes rushing in upon us here. Now the question is, are you going to live in this world of darkness or are you going to live now in the kingdom of light in Jesus Christ? Will you lay aside your entertainment? Will you lay aside your rituals and your man-made rules? Will you lay aside the things of the flesh, the world, and the devil? And will you seek Jesus with all of your heart by the reading of his word and the willingness in your heart to do everything you read here. Take the Sermon on the Mount. Are you willing to read through the Sermon on the Mount and do precisely what it talks about? Are you willing to even have everything taken from you and not be angry and bitter? Are you willing to be stolen from? Yes, you'll be careful, but what if somebody steals from you? Is it okay? Are you going to go after him? Are you willing to walk in justice? Where the primary focus of your life is justice and mercy. 
At the cross, justice and mercy kissed. And it was called love. Love involves both justice and mercy. But in this world, it will be justice for the other man and not demanding justice for me. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Does that sound like reality in your life? If not, it's because you've not yet moved out of your life. Now, let's talk specifically about what some of this might look like. I want to read for you Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins, For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right, and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions, and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed Well, right now the church is, in many places, taking time to fast and pray about the election. That's a good thing. We need to fast and pray. I've been doing that, and I know many of you have been doing that. But if you want God to notice, you're going to have to fast in his recommended way. And that will, in part, include not forsaking his commands, but instead doing what he's asked you to do. Isaiah 58, Yet on the day of your fasting you do, not, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Who are our workers? those who make the products we buy. I no longer buy any products made in China. I won't buy it. Why? Because much of it is made by slave labor. And I'm not going to participate even though it's cheaper. I'd rather pay more money and buy it from a company in America who is paying a decent wage to those who are making the product. But we in America have thrived on the world's cheap labor, cheating them out of a fair wage. And you say, oh, I didn't cheat them out of a fair wage. It was Nike or it was whoever it is making that product. No, you can't hide yourself that way. You know the facts. You know, a 
$150 pair of Nike shoes can be made for probably 5 or $6 in China. So somebody's making a great deal of profit. The workers are being exploited. It says, Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. When we fast, we often become very irritable. And we fight. We're nasty to somebody. Jesus is saying, look, is that the way you fast? Is that how it works? He says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for borrowing, for bowing one's head like a reed and and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? The Lord is incredulous. The Lord isn't much for outward showing off. He doesn't like it. And then he begins to describe how he wants us to live. I'll never forget. I was sitting in in my father in the faith. I was sitting in his office, David Wilkerson, Times Square Church. And he said, Ray, are you fasting? And I answered honestly. I said, once in a long while, but, but not regularly. He said, Ray, I fast one day a week. You need to start doing that. I said, well, okay. How do I do that? Just not eat all day and drink water? He said, no, let me show you. He turned to Isaiah 58 and he began to read aloud to me. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice? To untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free? To break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him? And to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will shine forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. So, if you're praying Mark 11 and God is not answering, it's because you're not doing what Jesus has directed you to do And now you have to decide, is it because you've not moved out of your life or or are you willing to move out? Now, there are some things that I've been praying for for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I started praying for revival in America when, well, over 50 years ago I began to cry out over this. 
God had a great deal of work to do in my life to bring me to a place where he could answer me. I am so grieved today that it's taken me all of these years to honestly move out of my life and to give up what people think, whether somebody likes it or doesn't like it, whether someone approves or disapproves. Someone sent me a a message detailing all of Pastor David Coverstone's false prophecies, things he said would happen that didn't happen, so he's false. The pride, the arrogance. It's not for me to judge whether Pastor David Coverstone is, is right or wrong. I didn't have the dream. It's up to God if he wants to bring this forth or not. By the way, I checked the news early this morning and one senator said, Democrats' heads are all exploding today with this confirmation of a new Supreme Justice. Coverstone foretold that everybody's head would be exploding, even some Republicans, and that's happening. Philadelphia last night was burning. Portland this week has been burning. It's not for me to judge. What I'm doing is is making sure I've moved out of my house, out of my life, out of out of me, and moved into Jesus. says, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of fingers and malicious talk. It's time not to point fingers, even at someone we think is wrong. It's time not to talk maliciously about David Coverstone or anybody else. Humble your hearts before God, brother, sister. It's not for us to judge. Jesus is the judge. Each man will be responsible to Jesus. Each woman will be responsible personally at the throne of God's judgment on that great day. If you want God to answer you when you call, then you're going to have to do away with the pointing of fingers and the malicious talk, the gossip. You're going to have to spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. You go down the street and you see someone who is oppressed. What's your response to that person? You feed them? Or do you go on by? man comes up to you at the gas station he says hey buddy I am hungry could you spare a dollar and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart he says no don't give him a dollar give him twenty dollars and bless him in my name Do you do it? 
Or do you take the man to the restaurant and buy him a meal to Burger King and get him something to eat? That's justice. If you want your light to rise in the darkness, if you want your night to become like noonday sun, this is what the Lord says you have to do. Your fast is a fast of justice and mercy, of love. As you reach out in ways that will seem very foolish to you, a man utterly depressed, discouraged, bills that he can't pay, And you say, how much, how much do you need? I'm underwater a thousand dollars and I have no way to get it. And you have a thousand dollars sitting in your account. Will you give him the thousand dollars? Or will you say, nope, I better hold on to that because Times might be tough tomorrow for me. And then who's going to help me? If I don't take care of me, who's going to take Jesus? I know a woman, most amazing woman I think I've, I've met in many years. She's in the process of helping a pastor in Honduras to build a chicken farm. And today, as I share this, they're building the chicken area that will take care of 600 chicks. She wants to build 10 of these in 10 different locations in Honduras so that the people in the church can have food and eggs so that the poor can be helped. Well, never mind, she's not working. She lost her job. So people knowing that she's lost her job, they'll give her some money. She'll send it off to Honduras and say, it's not time to pay rent yet. God will give me the money when it's rent time. Do you think she's foolish? At the end of every month, she's had the money for her rent. God has covered it. $1,400. She called me last night. She was so excited. Because she'd gotten a phone call from a friend who said, come, I want to take you to, to dinner tonight. So they went out to dinner. And then after dinner, the woman was given $100 cash. She was higher than high. Praise Jesus. Look what he did for me. She has the experience day by day of being carried by Jesus. 
She has a daughter. She's responsible. But Jesus, she's given herself utterly to Jesus. She's moved out of her life. She's moved into Jesus. Verse 12, this is Isaiah 58, 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwelling. That's what I want you to call me. I'm not going to play religion with you. I'm not going to play games. I'm going to tell you very honestly, if you want Mark 11... 23 and 24, to be activated for you in your life. You have to move out of your life. And you have to move into Jesus. And you have to become a person of justice and mercy. Which will mean you have become a person of true love. of true compassion. Are you that person? Or are you still concerned about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and what you're going to drive and how you're going to survive? Or are you concerned about the Lord God of heaven and the kingdom of God? Have you moved into the kingdom of Jesus Or do you still dwell in darkness? Are you still playing with fornication and pornography? Are you still playing with anger and bitterness and malicious talk and gossip and proving everybody wrong and you're right? Are you still your main point of interest and concern? It's time to move out of your life. It's time to be crucified with Christ for real, not this sloppy, greasy American grace. It's time to get real with yourself, with your family, and with God. Almighty God, I've spoken with integrity the message you've placed on my heart. I pray, Lord, pray, Lord, that you will call people out of themselves today. That they would give up their opinions, their strongly held opinions. Would they move out, Lord, of their need for approval, need for success? Lord, you're coming in the clouds of glory very soon. Lord, have your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening. Would you pass this on to someone else? And would you subscribe? If you're on YouTube, would you subscribe to our YouTube channel? Because when you do that, Google puts it out even more. And would you help with the cost of this radio broadcast? It is a work of faith. I don't have salary. I live by faith. I don't ask for me. I ask for the work of the gospel. 
Jesus is taking care of me, but he wants his people to take care of his work. Would you go now to National Prayer Chapel and click on the donate button? And thank you, each one of you who has done that so generously and so kindly that we could pay for this month's radio. Thank you. You could write to me by writing to the National Prayer Chapel. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm praying that God will cause some of you to send some very large contributions. And some of you can only send a dollar. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to send, this is for the work of the gospel. I love you, my brother, my sister. I pray the gospel does not offend you, that you submit to his will. I'll talk to you soon.